very good morning to you. Welcome into the programme. Uh, lots of calls and comments coming in today. Some of them not happy with the uh, Taoiseach. Just one, wouldn't trust him. And then there's so much misinformation coming in. Uh, we're going to try and demystify it next week for you. That's all I can say to you. Um, we hope to have uh, the UNHCR joining us next week on this one. And the likes of Michael O'Flaherty um, being appointed, that's going to try and demystify stuff as well. But there's somebody actually has sent in a text today uh, today in relation to people that I know is categorically wrong and incorrect altogether. Just totally incorrect altogether. Uh, anyway, let's uh, move on today. Oh yeah, I arrived in home last night, a bit later than usual, or yesterday evening. And uh, Joan had made a white soda bread. I don't know the last time I had a white soda bread. I'd say I'd go back to my granddad 30, 40 years ago. But it was absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely. And when I heard the uh, ad there about bakeries and cakes and breads and all that, I just thought to myself, white soda bread. Do you like it or not? Let us know, please, to 086 38 33 55 3. It was so crispy, I'd say I'd have to go to the dentist to get the teeth checked after Dr. Brian Delgado yesterday said, you don't abuse your teeth. But gorgeous, just white soda bread, simple. So it's flour, half spoon, a teaspoon of uh, salt and um, flour. What else is in it? Oh yeah, buttermilk. And uh, you g- gently put it together in a bowl and then put it into the oven. Ugh, wonderful. Anyway, let me go to Deputy Sean Canny, who joins me on the line. I want to talk to him about two issues uh, today because he is welcoming, indeed, uh, the Disability Matters Committee uh, report calling on the state to ratify the op- uh, the optional protocol before the end of the 33rd doll. And he joins me on the line. But in simple terms, what does that mean, Sean, can I ask you? Well, in simple terms, it means that uh, the rights of people with disabilities would be enshrined in law. And then they would why have... Are not, why are they not um, already, Sean? Uh, because in this country, we've been very reluctant to sign up to the UN uh, Convention Charter. on Human Rights yeah. of People with Disabilities. We did uh, uh, what to call Finian McGrath, who is Minister for Disabilities, got that done in government, in the last government. And then the second stage is then is to uh, in, um, adopt the protocols, which are which are basically the UN Convention means that you 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 agree with the Convention and the Charter to uh, to of the rights of people with disability. But the second part of it is the protocols need to be in place so that people with disabilities who are not getting the services have a, um, a pathway by which they can challenge the state if it doesn't happen. Now, this is not something new. This is something that has been ongoing. It's part of the programme for government. And our committee have been, over the last uh, four years, have been um, trying to um, put pressure on government to ensure that the protocol is uh, enacted as part of the programme for government, which the three parties have agreed to. We have seen, you know, the services and we've seen people who have told their stories in order to try and make life better for other people with disabilities. Mm. And as a politician, I wouldn't be very proud of some of the stories I heard. But our committee issued a report yesterday, which um, actually is calling on the government to uh, make sure that this uh, programme for government item is actually dealt with. Uh, the the doll is, is um, at its longest term, will remain in place until uh, February 2025, which is a year away. And we, what we need to do is we need to uh, put in place uh, um, a program by which we get the protocol in place. Mm. Departments will, will, will try and, and 
say, well, we cannot do it until we bring in other legislation or until we test legislation. But effectively, you saw there last week, uh, before Christmas, where you had parents who were out protesting because of the lack of services in yeah. the CD&T in June. And, you know, that, that, that that's that's parents shouldn't have to do that. They have enough of pressures when they have children with disabilities. But as well as that, where do they go with this? They they, they, they shout about it, they, they protest about it, but if they have the legal backing where they can say, well, under the law, you were supposed to provide this for my child, well, then the government and this, the, the department have to make sure that the services are in place okay. rather than... Okay. Now, and, and there are difficulties, and I'm not saying that, that uh, everything can be fixed overnight, but at least I think that if this protocol was put in place, it would give parents, and a lot of parents said this to me, who were involved in that protest, and, and I met with them, and I've I've spoken to them on a numerous occasions since. You know, they feel that if they had the protocol in place, at least they would have an arm of the law with them when they would be looking for these services. I but suppose at the moment, so. I suppose. At the mercy of the system. Absolutely, and it's very unfortunate uh, for the families in question that they have to fight tooth and nail indeed to get services and they're not getting services and there's not enough staff to give them the services. And this is not all about the government, by the way. This is about the embargo when it comes to hiring staff. And I mean, there's a plethora of problems there. But on the other side, I take it, they have to cost this as well uh, as to see what is this going to cost the state? Uh, no, I, 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 don't think, I, I don't think it's a cost. I think it's an investment. No, no, we no. Don't yeah, that, that's in, our, in, okay. in, in, in people with disabilities, where where we say if it's going to cost too much money to help people with disabilities, well, where are we at? And they, but, the yeah. the UN protocol, uh, the UN Convention Charter that we have signed up to, says we have to treat everybody equally, and uh, we're not treating everybody equally at the moment. No. And I see it in my own office some of the, the the situations that arise, and you say, oh my god, and you know you have. Um, carers uh, you have uh, all kinds of things going on and 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 they're, they're being being uh, challenged uh, uh, means tested all of this type of thing and my god the services they're providing on behalf of the state for families it's unreal but we seem to have cut ourselves up on in in processes and whatever else so I, I i never would deem it to be a cost i would deem it to be an investment in our people and and that's why i'd say yeah. we have to drop the word cost and say how much do we need to invest to make sure that people who have a disability can live with as much independence uh, as they can? I'll give you a small example. Um, the housing adaptation grants, which are run by the local authorities, including Galway County Council and Galway City Council, fantastic scheme, well run by the local authorities. But the the amount of money which is, is available to somebody who wants to adapt their house uh, for, for a particular mobility issue, um, the amount of money available is the same as it has been for the last 10 or 15 years. It hasn't taken into account construction, inflation or things like that. And and I think it's something that we need to address. The review is going on at the moment on that and it's something that needs to be addressed fairly fast okay. because I know people who uh, get approved for a grant and then they look at the overall cost and say, we can't afford to do this. Yeah, and this could yeah. be a, a downstairs bathroom, bathroom uh, uh, for, for somebody who needs that rather than having have something upstairs that they can't access. Okay. So I, I, I think small things can make big changes. We can shout about, the, you know, what's this going to, what will this do for the state? How will they do it? Is the le- are the legal um, uh, protocols in place and all this type of thing? Look, I think we need to give people uh, that little bit of power um, who have a disability and their families to say, right, okay, 
we have the law on our side, you need to provide this and this is the law, you need to do it. And that's what the protocols do. And okay. that's what the committee are asking is that it will be implemented in line with the programme for government that the three parties set out four years ago. All right, now you're saying before the end of the 33rd doll, you're saying February next, uh, or sorry, February That's the maximum. next is the maximum. Uh, again, I didn't put it to the Taoiseach because I didn't have time to do it. Uh, but I mean, I'm told that come the October um, budget, uh, that that's when the election is going to take place. Would you agree or disagree? Right. I, 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 it's not really my gift uh, to forecast this, but I tell you, we're in an election year. That's what I would say to you, and that anything can happen from now on. Mm. But what the reason our committee have issued this report now? We've been working on last year. We're issuing it now in January. It's it, it's a it's a request from a committee, a joint directors committee, yeah. cross party, to ask the government to do it now rather than leave it to do it while they have the power to do it. And, while, and to honour the commitment to the programme for government. Not to leave it, they can get at it now. All right, before I let you go, by the way, because I know you're, you're heading into a meeting, but um, the report into the RTE Toy Show, the musical, is to be published uh, later on today. There's been a few leaks about it as well. Uh, the Taoiseach has said on this programme and reaffirmed on this programme this morning uh, that he doesn't feel that the board should step aside uh, from RTE. And, and I agree with him on that. There needs to be stability in RTE. But I, I can't understand how somebody can sign a contract for so much money without getting board approval. I mean, it wouldn't happen anywhere else. Well, you would hope it wouldn't, sorry, I shouldn't say that. Um, but such an amount of money to be signed off on, um, sorry, to be agreed without it being signed off on by the board, um, it really well, beggars belief. Well, I said to your uh, to John Morley this morning, uh, if the likes of that was to happen in Gola Bay FM or Midwest Radio or any other local station, your doors would be closed uh, and that'll be it. There's poor management. That's basically it. And there is the accountability is not there, has not been there. And uh, maybe this is a wake up call. But I do believe that, you know, it's all right saying that the board should not step aside and we need to have governance or whatever. The governance we've had hasn't been governance. It has yeah. been, uh, you know, it has been Wild West job. And yeah, I, I do have a lot, that's, of, that's, a lot that's, of sympathy that's, yeah, that's for a lot of the staff in RT who will be... That's uh, the people that's in RT who are being branded, um, you know, as working for RT and maybe their heads are down now. And I think there's a huge amount of good people working in RT, yeah. journalists, uh, pro uh, producers, all this kind of thing. And they've given us great, great, um, great uh, entertainment and, and between comedy and soaps and all that kind of thing. But the problem at the end of the day is that um, certain, I think, certain um uh, what I would call issues or certain procedures were adopted uh, in silence. And yeah. the board at the time should have been more challenging and the board needs to be um, needs to be more challenging and needs to be more hands-on, not actually run the show, but looking for accountability every month on what's spent and what's not spent. Yeah. And I, I do believe that, that um, uh, there is a lot of good in RT and it, it shouldn't all be wiped out. And yeah. you, you look at uh, Brian Robson, who's 37 year service given, and you look at what has been, uh, you know, just look back on his career and what he did and how he presented news and all that type of thing in current affairs. You know, we've great people uh, mm. in, in, in RT, but uh, the f again, a few can destroy 
that reputation for yeah, everybody but, but, working but, there, which is totally wrong. Absolutely. And I think heads need to roll again, you know. And well, and well, you I, I do know you, that you there was an to, attitude. But you're using it. you're using kind of flowery language here. There, you're talking about heads need to roll in, in the wild west. But you have to give Kevin Kevin Backhurst a chance to get a handle on this uh, from there. And, I, he will, I, and he will get a I, handle. I, on I, Oh, I know this didn't happen in Kevin's time. No, what I'm saying is that, but but I what I also think there is there is probably a difficulty in trying to extract by Kevin Kevin himself trying to extract what actually everything that was going on and get it all out there and wash it all out uh, uh, rather than a common so for um, uh, uh, common, uh, you have to. It's like taking blood from a stone, uh, trying to get the information out out of RTE, out of the the board members that were there at the time, and all that type of thing. And they're surrounded by um, legal people who are telling them not to answer this, not yeah. to answer that. I and that's un- the problem, you know. I can understand that too. They're trying to protect their, their, their reputation as well. At the end of the day, we need to protect RTE, but we also need to make sure that the reputation and integrity of all the staff there is 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 uppermost in our minds, mm-hmm. and they're they're family people that are working there, and we need to protect them. So, if there's anything else uh, that people know about, let's get it out there, let's okay. wash it all out, and let's start clean. Can I ask you? Just, I mean, there's been talks about talks about talks and independence forming um, uh, political parties and all of that. Are you part of that discussion? Can I ask you? Well, I've had uh, some um, chats, let's say, but nothing really of any depth, uh, in-depth discussion well, with anybody. There's a uh, significant amount of, of independents have been meeting over the last couple of weeks um, to discuss, indeed, this party. So let me put it another way. Are you going to be part of that party? At this stage, uh, I haven't uh, been part of any discussions the last couple of weeks or anything like that. So uh, at this stage, I haven't uh, made any decision on anything uh, other than to say that uh, as an independent, I've been keep working hard for my constituency. Okay, and, that's um, a political I broadcast. I've so. 20 years as an independent, so I, I do believe that independents have a role to play and uh, it's important that we keep independence in the mix as well in the door. All right, thank you for joining us uh, today, Deputy Sean Kenny. Thank you for giving us your time today. Uh, comment lines are open if you want to get through to us. We've got the Connacht Tribune headlines next. Now, very good morning to the Connacht Tribune. It's out since the early morning, and I'm joined on the line by uh, David Connolly, uh, Group Editor with the uh, Connacht Tribune. Uh, Dave, morning to you. Morning, Keith. How are you? It's a heavy one. You have a lot in it, so you have and a lot, a lot to do with the sports stars as well. Well, a lot to do with the sports stars, and, and, and rightly so. I suppose the sports stars of the last year, of yesteryear, and, and of this week, is starting, I suppose, with uh, with this week and uh, St. Thomas's and the All-Ireland Hurling final triumph. And uh, I heard Ollie Turner waxing lyrical about Dana Burke's magnificent uh, match-winning point uh, with you earlier in the week as the Galway champions edged out O'Loughlin Gales. One for the ages, and that's covered over six pages in sport with uh, a great pick as well on the front. But as you say, the sports stars that's six more pages of photographs on the sports stars of the last 12 months and of yesteryear one of the heroes of the past one of my great heroes the great Noel Fly Mannion who was installed in the Hall of Fame but to be honest it's when you look at the photographs you truly appreciate the great depth of of sporting talent we have in across all sporting disciplines and I've said this before the beauty of the sports stars is that it's the same award whether you're playing your sport in front of 70,000 or in a gymnasium in front of your immediate family because you are a superstar in your own pursuit. Absolutely. Now, we'll come back to St. Thomas in a moment, but your um, front page story is Galway outpatients facing the longest wait in Ireland for a hospital appointment, according to your lead story this morning. 
Yeah, outpatient waiting lists at GUH or uh, UHG in Merlin Park, uh, to be more precise. The, the worst of all the public hospitals in the country again last year. At the end of December, there was 47,666 adults and children waiting for their first appointment to see a consultant at the two hospitals. That's nearly 10,000 more than the matter in Dublin, which was second, and 13,000 more than the University Hospital Waterford, which was third. And if you delve down further into the, the National Treatment purchase fund at the end of last December you'll find over 8,800 adults and children waiting 18 months or longer for their first outpatient appointment at UHG. Now it must be added that this delay of 18 months or longer for the first appointment is down 35% on the previous year but it's just a first step down on a, a very long road. Absolutely now no surprise you have plenty of coverage and photographs indeed of uh, the storms. Yeah, Aisha and Jocelyn, two names we didn't know, I think, until uh, about a week ago, battered Galway and the West, leaving thousands of homes uh, without power and roads blocked by falling trees and uh, debris. Uh, the council crews uh, worked the oracle across the county to open up the roads bur- uh, blocked by fallen trees and ESB equally. I-, I wouldn't go up an ESB pole in the cam, never mind in the middle of a storm, uh, but they restored power to over 200,000 uh, customers across the West and Northwest. Uh, as people know, there was a fatality uh, during Aisha on the uh, N17 and uh, the dramatic pictures in the city of the Air Dome at the Galway Lawn Tennis Club in Salt Hill were completely destroyed, uh, although thankfully Jocelyn didn't have quite the, sta- the same damage, but be prepared. Storm Kathleen will be next whenever that happens. <laughs> she's a, she is the right storm. She's so on she's, reception. She's <laughs> <laughs> your, your Kathleen is the right storm, God bless her. Come here to me, I mean, it's certainly, it just shows the, the damage that it did, but I'm glad yeah. they've left town and I hope the two ladies don't ever come back and stay I'd gone absolutely. from there. I, I never heard of Aisha before and uh, I hope I never hear of uh, her. I didn't know, is it a horror or a him, but I presume it's a horror, is it? Well, Aisha, I hope she doesn't come back. That's what I hope. Listen, your full cover, <laughs> I'm going back to St. Thomas there, your full coverage on St. Thomas's All-Ireland yeah. uh, Club finally. You have a lovely pick on the front page of the, the exhilaration and it was a great game, so it was. Well, it was terrific. And as I said, I, I heard yourself and Ali talking about it um, uh, earlier on, on on Monday. It was phenomenal. I mean, it's amazing that both club finals uh, resulted in one-point victories. But I, I cannot recall, uh, no more than, than Ali couldn't, who sees a lot more games than me, but I can't recall a more dramatic winning score uh, than Aina Burke's magnificent score. I, honestly, to do that once in a lifetime, I would dine out on it forever and a day all the chances. If I was left in my own in Croke Park uh, with a bag of balls I wouldn't manage it and no wind and nothing else it's just phenomenal so fully deserving of uh, all of the coverage that they get they are a credit to their parish to their club to their county uh, magnificent and I hope it's a sign of things to come for Galway Hurling during the year Wonderful now you've been uh, talking to a clan Burman indeed who's on a 7,000 kilometre global cycling challenge and you have a lovely pick of them as well in the States it's great. Johnny Coyne is his name. He's cycling from Canada to Costa Rica on a refurbished bicycle cost 400 euro and uh, all of this he's posting daily on Instagram under Johnny Be Good Adventures. But to be honest, in reading through it, his own personal story is equally impressive. It's one of, without giving too much away, conquering his demons and about trying to inspire others to turn their lives around because he, as he explains in the piece, that's what he did and really that's the inspiration for all of this. Absolutely. Now you all have a fascinating feature on the old St. Bridget's in Banlaslow. 
Yeah, I think this is, is terrific. It's written by a, a Ballinasloe native but London-based journalist, Sarah Colohan, and she admits that this is something of an obsession for her because, like so many families in Ballinasloe, her own family's story is intertwined with the, the history of the hospital in that her grandparents had both worked there for so much of their lives. But it's also the way that the hospital cast a long shadow over the town. It's also ultimately the manner of its closure. And uh, she discovered how hugely personal uh, medical records were simply abandoned just like the building itself it's a terrific uh, two pages and clearly a story of huge personal interest but also uh, of interest to certainly anyone who grew up in Ballinasloe and as I say who, who knew this hospital so well Absolutely and you know what we, we spoke about it yesterday with the crew down there but it's um, when you see the photographs yeah. and you see that article by Sarah Coolahan and you see the wheelchair yeah. left in the middle and the interior of the former St. Bridget it's, it's quite amazing What else have you got in today's uh, Connacht Tribune Dave? Well, as you said, there's loads in there. Um, construction work began in almost 1,200 new homes across Galway last year. New figures suggest that this will increase in 2024. But against that, uh, a global index found Galway was the eighth most expensive city to rent in. That's per square metre. And that has led to calls for the reintroduction of a ban on no-fault evictions. Uh, two lovely pages on the recipients of the annual Pope John Paul II Awards. These are given to students for their uh, in the Confert Diocese for their commitment across uh, a number of fronts and lovely pictures of that. Uh, the sod turning at Dexcom last week and plenty of court in there as always. And uh, speaking of court matters, our own local Ireland lobby took us back to uh, Leinster House again last week with our friends in the daily newspapers and indeed your own yeah. colleague John Purcell from the uh, Independent Broadcasters of Ireland. We were invited before the Oireachtas Media Committee, uh, but unlike RTE, as you were discussing just a little while ago, we actually wanted to be there uh, because we were highlighting the astronomical cost of legal actions for defamation very interesting day. I, I wouldn't say it was one off the bucket list, but never thought I'd be in front of an Oireachtas um, uh, committee, as I say, even though I wanted to be there, as opposed to maybe uh, Ryan and people who mightn't have wanted to be there. Absolutely, but um, it's, it's a daunting experience. Listen, well done to you. And loads more within the paper today, and loads of, of local notes and photographs, and even Donald Trump as uh, covered <laughs> by uh, Harry McGee and... Uh, yeah, kind of made my morning, so did when I opened the Connect Tribune and saw Donald Trump inside. And I knew, I knew you have no expectations. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, talk to you tomorrow at City Tribune. Dave O'Connell joining us there uh, with the uh, Connect Tribune. There's loads within it. It's it's one of the heaviest um, I've come across in a while, and loads in it on the sports awards as well. So congrats to all involved in that. And a lovely pick of Noel Mannion and his wife, uh, Fiona, and their sons as well. Um, history in the making, I have to say. Quick commercial break. We're back just after these. Very good morning to you. Welcome in to today's program. We're with you right through until 12 midday today. And I wanted to go to Declan Herney, who joins me on the line. Henry, rather, excuse me, who joins me on the line. And um, need to clean the glasses. That's what I need to do. Declan Henry. The persecution of the Ahmadiyya Muslims must stop. And again, the um, again the Muslim congregation we're talking about, they have a mosque in Galway, so they have and there's over a 1,000 of them living in Ireland, out of a total of 65,000 Muslims in Ireland in total. Uh, but Declan Henry joins me on the line today. Declan, uh, good morning to you. Good morning, Keith. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us uh, today. Why did you decide to bring to the market the persecution of the Ahmadiyya uh, Muslims must stop? Well, I've, I, I wrote a book, Keith, about uh, six, seven years ago. I wrote a book about Islam, and I met Ahmadiyya Muslims during that period. And uh, they, they stood out. They are very distinctly different from all other Muslims because of theological beliefs. 
And they are so, uh, there's such a huge division between them and other Muslims in the sense that they, uh, because of their theological beliefs, Keith, they are really rejected and ostracized from, from all other Muslims. And, but they also stand out in the sense that they are really, really lovely people. Yeah. Um, they are so peaceful, so kind, so tolerant. They, but, but I suppose I felt so, so I, I genuinely feel so sorry for them that they are so rejected, um, by all other Muslims. But my, um, why I wrote this book is I was invited to Pakistan by some Ahmadiyya Muslims to write about the persecution of them there because they're heavily persecuted in Pakistan. Um, and bearing in mind that the majority of Ahmadiyya Muslims come from India and Pakistan and the majority of Muslims, let's say in Ireland and England, their ancestral homelands would mainly come from India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, the subcontinent that would make up of that would make up the population of Muslims. Um, but in Pakistan, they're not allowed to practice the religion. They cannot tell anyone that they're Ahmadiyya Muslims because otherwise, you know, they, they get targeted, persecuted, but, but also tortured and murdered. M many of them are murdered each year in Pakistan. Okay. So can, just, can, we, can we roll back on this one? Because you know this intimately, but I mean, I, have, mm. I, I haven't read the book, um, but I read a little bit about the book and I've read the brief on the book. Mm -hmm. What is mm -hmm. the difference between the Ahmadiyya and other Muslims. Just give me, in simple English terms, what is the difference and why then are they being targeted because of that difference? I suppose all other Muslims, all Muslims in general, they follow the Prophet Muhammad. The, 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 the Prophet Muhammad is so dear to them, just like um, Christians, we follow Jesus. Jesus is so dear to us. I, I, and Ahmadiyya Muslims obviously believe passionately in the Prophet Muhammad and in the Quran, just like all other Muslims. But there's an extra layer to that, Keith. They, the, the founder of the Ahmadiyya movement is Mirza Ghulam Ahmed. Now, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed was an Indian scholar. He was a reformer of Islam, but he was also a very mystic spiritual leader who believed that he had uh, received direct a communication with God through his dreams, revelations, uh, and so on. And they follow Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, who believed that he was assigned by God to be the promised Messiah. Now, this is in complete the opposite beliefs that all other Muslims have. They completely reject Mirza Ghulam Ahmed or anything that he claimed to be, uh, particularly the promised Messiah. But in addition to that, I suppose uh, for us as Christians, we would be particularly interested in what Ahmadiyyas have to say about, um, about Jesus, Keith. They have very unusual beliefs around Jesus because they believe that Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, the founder, that he received um, special information from God that Jesus had survived the crucifixion. Um, he didn't die on the cross. His wounds uh, that, that, that he incurred at the crucifixion, they were all healed. Afterwards, he left Jerusalem. He went to Afghanistan, Tibet. He ended up in India, where he lived uh, up until the time of his death when he was 120, and he's buried in India. Uh, so, and a, yeah, and so all other Muslims completely reject all of this. So effectively then, and correct me if I'm wrong on this one altogether, please, Declan Henry, um, they're, they're Muslims, but they're of a different faith. So they're really a different 
culture to the regular Muslims. Well, they have that additional belief of Mirza Ghulam Ahmed and, and his teachings, but, but they but also believe passionately in, in the Quran and in the no, Prophet no, Muhammad. That, get, so there's I, an I extra layer to them. I get that, but I mean, they're they're not they're not adhering indeed to what the true Muslim faith is. They, they have this additional piece to it that other Muslims take. Um, they, they take up. They don't like it. Like um, so. Absolutely yes, yeah. So that's it's, it, it sets it sets them apart from all other so, Muslims. So they yeah. co- so if they're if they're on a journey, um, and they're coming towards the end of the journey, and um, they they take a right hand turn and they've additional stuff that they believe and that they believe in, which they're entitled to. God above, we're entitled to have our own thought processes. So why then? Oh, are they absolutely. Being, why are they being persecuted? Yeah. Why are they yeah. being killed? Why are they being? Why pick up? It's also, in many ways, Keith, it's very nonsensical. You're absolutely right in the sense that they're entitled to to have those beliefs. Um, You know, we don't have to believe in them or whatever, but they're entitled to practice their religion, which, you know, thankfully they are able to do so in Ireland. And as I said, there is that purpose built mosque. It's near Ballybris in in Galway. Uh, They are are lovely people. Uh, Ahmadiyya Muslims are really lovely people. I've met the the imam there. He's, he's, He's an Irish convert. Yeah. His name is Ibrahim Noonan. A lovely man. Great lovely, man. lovely man. Great man. Great man altogether. He's been many the time in this studio with me and, and just and is very, and very good He's for the a community. He's a gentleman in every sense of the word. He is and for the community. So that that's why and, and they've had issues indeed with the mosque up there. Thank God and yeah. touch wood not for the last year or so but they have had issues. <laughs> Um, but I mean, but unfortunately, I suppose what I wanted to add, Keith, was you know that there are theological differences, but they, you know, but there have there there are still there are you know they agree on more issues than they disagree on, you know, because they are, they are Muslims in every sense of the word, in the sense that you know they they follow they believe passionately in the Quran and, and they're devout followers of of the Prophet Muhammad. There's just that extra layer with their founder and the beliefs of their founder, Mirza Ghulam Ahmad. Which unfortunately other Muslims, um, you know, steadfastly reject. But I mean, uh, but, I mean um, within the Catholic faith, I mean, you've got you've got Catholic faith, you've got Church of Ireland, you've all of that. But we can all get on yeah. together. And I mean, I'm a Catholic, and I'm a proud Catholic, so I am. And I'm not going around beating my chest all the time about it. And and I try to do my best by the Catholic values that I was reared and all of that yeah. type of stuff. But that's my decision to live that life. And if others want to live, their Catholic upbringing life in a different way or change or become an atheist or become a Muslim or whatever, that's that's their right to do so. Yeah, no, no, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. And I mean, I, I very much highlighted uh, that in the book, you know, um, that it's 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 absolutely heartbreaking, uh, you know, the, the, the suffering that, 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 that people have to endure because of, you know, intolerance. Yeah, where is the book available? Can I ask you? And it's called the persecution. The decide the persecution of the Ahmadiyya Muslims must stop. Where can they pick it up, Declan? They can pick it up on Amazon, or if they go to my website www.declanhenry.co.uk, um, there's details there and the links and everything. Uh, DeclanHenry.co.uk. Uh, from there, um, is there any duty on it coming in now? Since you're seen as the UK or not in Europe. Uh, you know, I don't know. Once upon a time, um, I think, uh, what was it, Book Depository? I think that closed in Ireland, did it? That was a branch of Amazon. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm, uh, uh, that, that's a good question, but I, I think it might also be available on Eason's uh, website. So, 
Yeah. yeah. But if anybody is particularly interested in it, go to my website and if they're having difficulties, if they just uh, if they just drop me a message, I, if somebody really, really wants to read it, um, uh, I, I will make sure that they get a copy. It's an in, it's an interesting it's an interesting conversation that we're having. So it, is, it really is. But I suppose life- it's interesting. And I thought I, the, the reason that I approached you, Keith, was, you know, because you have I mean, the, the Miriam Mosque. In Galway is the is the only purpose built mosque uh, of its kind in Galway for the Amad- for in Ireland mm. for the Amadea community, and I think it would be really really more interesting. It would be interesting for people to find out a little bit more about you know Muslims who live in their neighbourhood. And Abs- you know, absolutely, we we've worked very closely with him, Noon, and we continue to, and we'll continue to into the future as well. And and he brings he brings a sense of calm when he comes into the studio because he is he's chilled out. But yet, he's very much in the community. He is, yeah. Listen, he's a what? lovely, relaxed man that you can, you know, you can joke with, but you can also have really deep, meaning, serious conversations with. Yeah, you know, he's he's, he's a lovely, Good. lovely man. Good. But you know, all Ahmadiyya Muslims have that beautiful, calm, relaxed vibe. Uh, I think I think they're, they're almost all blessed with us. Declan Henry, thank you so much for joining us uh, today on the programme. That's Declan Henry joining us. The book is called The Persecution of the Ahmadiyya. Um, Muslims Must Stop, and you can get it from Amazon or you can go to www.declanhenry.co.uk if you want to get further details uh, from there as well. Now, I'm just going to change lines altogether because I want to go to an event that's taking place this coming weekend as well. And I want to go to John Keady who joins me because uh, we're going to go and talk about astronomy. So we are right now. Uh, because the Galway Astronomy Club, they're having their um, astronomy festival and their astronomy festival is taking place uh, this coming Saturday, 27th of January in the Menlo Park Hotel, just across the road from us here. And uh, John Keady joins me on the line. John, morning to you. Good morning, Keith. Good to talk to you. Thanks, Andy, for joining us uh, today on the programme. Um, last night, by the way, I, I got a, an email last night to say that the SSS... Uh, was going over twice last night and it was a beautiful clear night and I saw it twice going over and there was other action in the sky there was some other uh, satellite as well uh, going across the sky um, astronomy is interesting very interesting yeah astronomy is, is, is such a universal uh, subject as well it's, it's open to everybody and like yourself now you went out last night you probably had no equipment with you yeah. and you just looked up and there's amazing things to see in the sky including the ISS which is I'm always amazed by every time it passes over, it's so bright, it's moving so fast, and you always have to think there's people on board that that light you see crossing the sky. Unless you said, there's, there's, there's so many satellites up there now at the moment. <laughs> the, the place is full of, of things happening all the time up there. The, the SSS was coming, say, from the Clifton side and going over to the UK. And, I mean, it moves so fast in that. And the first time it went over, it was beautifully bright. And the second time, the first time it went over, to it was six minutes. And the second time it went over, it was for three minutes. But while the second time, there was another one just going the other way. I, I couldn't track it quick enough. Um, but it's great to see such movement so far up in the sky. Yeah, it's, it's, it is amazing, and I suppose we've all heard about Elon Musk's um, satellite train. I suppose you call them at this stage. You'll see them every so often. Um, that they that he launches about sixty at a time, and they 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 pass overhead one after the other. It, it just looks really strange to the eye, but yeah, there's some really bright satellites up there. So the one you saw heading the other way could have been telecommunications. It could have been anything at all. There's so there's so, so much going on up there. But it's so fascinating to think that within an hour and five minutes, the SSS had come around another way, around around the world. Around the world, yeah, exactly. They, 
it's the orbit is usually around 90 minutes um depending on on the, on the time of year of course that the, the orbit changes a little bit they have to boost it ever so often to stop it crashing into the earth but uh yeah it passes over and depending on the the orbit how it's oriented um it passes over ireland even either in the evening time or in the morning time usually you'll see it for a few weeks every month so yeah, um yeah it's, it's it's lovely to see it's amazing talk to me about your event then at the menlo park hotel this coming um Saturday, you're starting off at 9.30, running until 6pm, and who can go? Well, yeah, um, it, it actually kind of starts tomorrow evening, really. We have a, a movie in conjunction with the Paulus uh, Cinema. Um, they're showing a movie um, in, entitled The Hunt for Planet B. So that's, that kind of ties in with ourselves. We, we approached them and, and they were happy to put that on. Um, so at 8.30 tomorrow evening, if you want to head, on to, head along to that, it's a documentary um, kind of half based on the James Webb Space Telescope that went up there a couple of years ago and the human endeavour to find life in other places and a reflection on, on our own planet as well. So it's a very interesting uh, movie and I'm glad they've put it on because you won't see this in the, in the cinemas again. So like I said, that's at 8.30 tomorrow evening and go to the Paulus website there or there's a link on our own website as well if you want to see that, that movie. Like I said, you probably won't see it again and it's kind of open to all. Obviously, it's a documentary. There's, there's nothing... Nothing that uh, the younger audience can't watch. But uh, yeah, our own part of the festival then kicks off in the Millen Park Hotel around 9 o'clock on Saturday morning. Registration starts at 9.15. And yeah, once again, we've put on a jam-packed day of speakers, uh, ex- exhibits, and and um, uh, workshop there at lunchtime as well, which is, is free to all. But uh, just to, to answer the question there about who who can go because I, I got a few contacts during the week about oh can I bring up my seven year old can I is it open to beginners and all that it's definitely open to beginners if you have any interest at all in astronomy um, headlong for the day mm. I know we have academics speaking and giving giving their time to, to speak to us but their their um, their approach to it is that it's for for the layman's for the the, the beginners and um, yeah they'll they'll be throwing in details about their own uh, research and all that but again. I always say, come along to these events, come along to these talks, because after they finish talking, you can ask any question you want, and they will be happy to answer it. So if you want to learn more about astronomy, it's open to all, and yeah, I'd, I'd encourage anybody to come along for the day. What are the charges for the day then? I know you have a festival dinner, so I'll take that. So what, what would the charges be for the day for people to go along? Um, well, if you're a club member, it's 20 euros of the day, which is not bad for a full day of events. Uh, then non-members, it's 30 euros. Uh, senior citizens and students is 20 euros again and anybody under 16 years of old age sorry um, can go for free so if you oh. if you have a young astronomer who uh, wants to know more about the the, the world up there um, yeah they can go for free and then you're having a, um, a festival dinner then on Saturday night to uh, to close it out yeah um, I just have to mention that you mentioned the Billow Park Hotel there we had an absolutely fantastic dinner there last year so um the staff, I can't, can't uh, recommend them highly enough uh, to anybody who wants to set up an event there because they were, they treated us like royalty and the dinner was unbelievable. So we had a great time there. Um, at the end of the day, after all the talks were over and we'd settled down. And um, yeah, that happens on, on Saturday evening. So listen, well done to you. Congratulations on it. If they want to get further details, just go along indeed or just Google the Galway Astronomy Club. You can get details there. Or go along this coming Saturday, 27th at 9.30. Going for, be there for 9 o'clock. Registration 9.15 and running right through. And if you're a young person in the house and you'd like to introduce them to astronomy, uh, this Saturday is the time to do it. Uh, John Keeley, thank you for joining us uh, today.
now we're giving uh, one lucky Galway family a chance to win a €2,500 holiday to Mallorca this May. Compliments of Fahey Travel, Bridge Street in Galway, the award-winning travel company. Time is running out, so log on to galwaybfm.ie and register for 12 noon tomorrow, Friday. Uh, Sorry, 12 noon tomorrow. And again, if you want to do so, do it straight today. And you'll be uh, taking part in the fun quiz, which uh, Kate O'Malley um, is going to be doing. And can you beat the top score of eight uh, so tune in to On The Move today and tomorrow from 3pm onwards. But go to galwaybfm.ie and get further details uh, from there. And uh, register. That's all you have to do. And thanks to Maura and all the team in Fahey Travel in Bridge Street. They're lovely location, lovely people. And they've been in the travel industry a long, long time. So again, 2,500 your holiday up for grabs uh, to, to Mallorca this May with compliments of Fahey Travel. Well done to all involved. Yet to come on the programme, by the way, we have a lot yet to come on the programme. Uh, we're going to Culture Corner, so we are. And we're looking at mother and uh, butterfly stories there and uh, tourism to go with that. And uh, also ours to protect Dr. Frankie Spence on indoor air pollution. And we've got wonderful music mornings as well today. And uh, we'll tell you all about that in the next hour. Stay tuned for that and more to come. Now that let's head towards the 11 o'clock news and death notices with the news team. And we'll talk to you the other side of that.